Welcome back. We're on episode 68, I believe. We're coming up on episode 70. Uh, wow, it's been a road. So today, Millar will probably be joining us late. He has a family emergency. Uh, my co-host, Adam, today is joining me. He's uh, he's coming in. And then we also have Cole from Team POI on. Uh, he's got his own podcast called Long Range Tactics, which uh, is, I think you changed the name of that, didn't you, Cole? It was Long Range Addicts. We just changed it to Long Range Tactics. There we go. So it was Long Range Addicts. Yep. Change to long range tactics. Uh, and it's a podcast that I listen to uh, pretty frequently. <laughs> and I actually, I didn't know I was shooting with you in, until uh, I showed up to Iowa with you that one time. That was pretty hilarious. But um, huge shout out to our, our channel sponsors here, or not channel, I guess, uh, podcast sponsors, Brownells. Uh, use code BOP10 over at Brownells. We've got a lot of stuff to kind of cover this week with that also. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on at Brownells. There is a there's still a ton of ammo left in stock. Uh, I know this actually won't release until next week, which will be uh, the 18th or 19th of some of some point. Um, but there is a ton of ammo in stock. You can actually use a bunch of codes. Use code April 65 if you're going to purchase any ammo over there or BOP 10. All sorts of cool stuff. Uh, it. I'm telling you right now, there is there's links below in the show notes. You can kind of check all that stuff out. But yes, code BOP10 over there. And then go head on over to Boring Rifles. Uh, Boring Rifles is a channel sponsor. And of course, Cole shoots their rifles a lot. Uh, and I'm jealous. Wish I had that kind of firepower. <laughs> but uh, Boring Rifles, use code STS10. Save you on everything except whole guns. It's barrels, actions, accessories. They have these cool little aluminum M-lock clips, like our M-lock sections that are aluminum. Um, and they're awesome. You can put them on anything. You don't even have to put them on your boring rifle. You can put them on any of your guns that take M-lock, but they're pretty cool. Actually just ordered one the other day. So Huge shout out to Boring Rifles. They are awesome. Use code STS10. So Sierra, Tango, Sierra, 10. Uh, and go save yourself some money over there. Uh, Cole, thank you for joining us this week. How's everything with you? You said you went on vacation and now everything's a shit show. So uh, that sounds not fun. Usually how it goes in my life. When you run <laughs> multiple companies and you do what I do, you come back to. Because usually when I go on vacation, I try to keep my, my phones and all my shit with me. So that I can at least respond to stuff. But the last, the last few, the last probably two times I went on a vacation, I just threw my phones underneath the seat of my truck or what my rental car and left them there for the time. And hell, it was nice. And but it screws me when I come back horribly. But at least you've got to somehow disconnect from everything, you know. Well, that's the problem. I think that's what vacation is. You know, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to take all your shit with you when you go on vacation because then you're not enjoying vacation like i know personally my wife would want to shoot me with one of my own guns if we went on vacation and i kept my phone on <laughs> yeah that's the problem when you own businesses though it's like you, you can't just turn it off most of the time yeah i came back and one of our uh, rental houses had a big giant leak in it and it just it's i mean it's been a shit of a week well i would send you a bottle of whiskey but uh, you live in Utah, and I can't send you anything. <laughs> so, um, you'll, I'll just have to settle for the walk down of uh, the the two fingers of Jameson that you got 
<laughs> at Iowa <laughs> that I brought down to you while you were building those rifles, which I'm not going to lie. Um, I was actually surprised. So those were the gamer guns that, that uh, boring rifles has. And when I tell you guys that these things were stupid accurate in six, five Creedmoor, I mean, what were we printing for, for zeroing? I think everyone was, everyone was touching bullets at a hundred, like with factory ammo. Yep. Yeah. With factory, like one forty three green ELDs, like, they were they were really nice. Um, can you kind of? I know you work a lot with boring rifles. My first question for you is kind of how they got started. I know that the guy did a Q and A, but I don't know if any any of the listeners of the podcast really tuned into that. So, well, so I'm the marketing I'm the marketing and sales manager for Boring Rifles. So if you call Boring Rifles, you'll get me. Um, and if you see social media anything, that's all me. Um, so Karsten created it a few years ago. He had this idea and uh, I sat down with him and he had this idea to be different than everybody else. You know, boring is a play on words. Everybody's like, well, what boring, what, you know, are they ugly or they, what are they? And if you look at the website and if you look at our social media, they're completely different. You know, the color schemes, the cool thing is we offer color schemes for every rifle. So when you buy a rifle, usually from another company, they say, okay, for X amount more, you get Cerakote. Now we, we throw in the Cerakote for the price. So you choose your Cerakote colors. We make them hundred percent unique. So when you're at the line and you're shooting, you get what you, you, you know, you get something completely different from everybody else. Now the rifles that you guys shot in Iowa um, actually won this year's ballistics best precision rifle of the year because they shot so good. Sean Utley shot, I think he said 60 rounds, 50, 60 rounds in a row. The worst group five shot group he got in a row was like a 0.43 with factory ammo. Um, which is, Oh, that sounds so terrible. Which is crazy. And you can read about that in ballistic magazine. Uh, there's a whole spill on our, our rifles there. And Sean's been, you know, good to us saying, holy shit, whatever you guys created, it was a monster, you know, type thing. So, um, boring is just different. Uh, there's two of us, three of us there. Karsten and his wife are in the shop every day. Um, Karsten runs machines, does all the back end stuff, you know, answers phones uh, from time to time. And then I run the marketing and the social media and some of the sales stuff. So, yeah, because we were smacking like five, six inch steel plates at 600 yards with those pretty consistently. Like it wasn't like yeah. granted there were misses, but, you know, like though that was pretty consistent. I, I guarantee I, I guarantee you I hit it at least 12 times. Like it wasn't it was not those were not bad guns at all. And I, I I'm not going to lie. If I had the money, I would spend it. But it, it they're incredible rifles um can i ask how what's the mojo i guess that 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 happens like how do you how do you get barrels that good well you know there's there's a lot of great barrel companies out there but we were like we're sick of waiting for everybody else to get them in stock you know we were getting like 11 month lead times um on barrels and we're like dude we can't stay in business if we do this so we went to a, a couple barrel manufacturers that we like for cut rifled hand lap barrels. And we said, Hey, all we want is just a straight barrel. Um, you build it, send them to us. We're going to turn them down. We're going to wrap them. We're going to do everything. Now everybody knows with most carbon fiber barrels, they walk what we call walk. So when they get warm, they start shooting crazy shit. Now you guys pretty much made these freaking barrels like glow in the dark when you guys were shooting them. I mean, um, a couple of the guys were just shooting and shooting and shooting and they were still hitting still, you know, and, and, uh, 
as you guys saw over the course of the day, as the humidity rise and the temperature rise and everything else, everything adjusted, but the group was still the same. You know, your your elevation and your windage changed over the, the course of the day that we were there, but your groups always stayed small no matter how many rounds you put down them. So when we did these barrels, we're like, what we want to do when we wrap them is so we wrapped them a special way. So as they heat up, the, the carbon actually shrinks and settles onto the barrel and makes it rigid. And then it doesn't walk like a lot of some of the other carbon fiber barrels. They are a little bit heavier, but that's the give and take. I would rather have a little bit heavier barrel that I know is going to shoot three, six, 10 rounds. I've got, I've got some of the barrels that we've wrapped. I've shot 50 round strings through them and they still hold under a minute easy. Yeah, those ones were definitely holding under a minute because I was I I'm pretty sure once we zeroed, the first guy shot and then I shot. I I was shooting his gun that he already had warm, like it was it was hot already, and I was still able to I was able to do four, five, and six in a row, like 400, 500, 600. Those were all super simple. Um, are those are in house made actions, right? Boring actions. No, so uh, originally we went with, with defiance. Uh, we changed some things around and went with Kelby's Ian Kelby's a good friend of mine, known him for a long time. Those are Kelby's actions. Uh, the ones you guys shot, I believe, are the Atlas Tactical Lights. Um, we have the Prometheus and the Nook now, but they're just phenomenal actions. The, the thing with actions is they're not something that most people can just go out and build. They're super hard. You got to have wider EDMs. You got to have the machinery to do it. And only certain companies throughout the industry, I would trust to build one. And, and Kelbley's is one of them. They build a phenomenal action. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not cheap. Everybody's like, oh, you know, they're, they're used to the tactical market where you can go buy an AR for a couple hundred bucks. These actions are, you know, $1,500, $1,600 MSRP. But there's something, the thing is, is people don't look at it like, hey, this is something I can hand down to my kids. It's not like it's going to fall apart. You know, most of uh, a lot of the guns that I started shooting with when I was a kid were handed down for me from my father, you know, and he used the hell out of them. So it's kind of one of those. It's an investment thing. And none of the rifles. The crazy thing is, if you really think about it, none of the rifles lose their value. It's not like an AR or something that loses its value over time. Most of these custom rifles, I could build one, shoot it, you know, a lot like these custom ones behind me. You can build one, shoot it for a while and sell it for close to probably what you paid for it if it's a custom build you know if it's mm -hmm. a cheap remington or for tobagars something like that it's a little different but these customs they hold them they hold your value pretty damn well well i mean and well not only that they're beautiful some of those some of those color schemes that he puts on there and does he do the cerakote work himself mm -hmm. yeah oh, it's all done wow. in-house so we have another company called utah hydrographics uh, that that's where he started. So he started hydro dipping, seracoding, that kind of stuff. And then he got into, and that's where I started helping him. We've been friends forever. Um, and I helped him on that side of things. And then he's like, Hey, I want to start a rifle company. And we're like, Oh, whatever, you know, you're on crack. Why would you want to you know, like, why did you smoke all the meth at once? But we sat through a meeting for a few hours with him and his family. Um, and he goes, dude, I want to do this crazy ass, uh, I want to do this crazy ass company. I want to name it boring rifles. Everybody was like boring, right? Why the hell would you name boring rifles? You know what I mean? And I kind of sat there and I'm like, all right, I got your back. We're going to go to this. We're going to do it. I'm just going to follow along. I've got my ideas that I put into it. It was his idea. He named crazy ass shit like the gamer, the overseer. He wanted names that weren't 
you know, synonymous with the end. Everybody's like, oh, the the something precision or, you know, something related to guns. He's like, I want them completely different. And everybody, it, it caught on so freaking fast. And that was kind of his brainchild, you know, and I helped kind of mold a little bit of it. But, he, you know, he came out with a lot of that and we've just ran with it. And, you know, I've been there since day one. Uh, when he started, he just started taking Remington 700s, tearing them apart, truing them up, making them badass, putting them together. And then as he grew, uh, you know, we moved into a different shop, got more machines, everything kept growing. And the, the cool thing is, is like when you call us, it's not, it's not like, uh, I want to say one of the big corporations where you've got a customer service line, right? And that 1-800 number. When you call us, it's either my cell phone or it's his cell phone. People will text us, I'll reply to them, that kind of thing. And we've made it more of a family versus thing. And we've made it very clear that we only want to build so many rifles a year. It's one of those things like we're not trying to be Bergara where we're pushing out 50,000 freaking rifles a year. We're in that, you know, three, 400 rifles a year. And every one of them is touched from start to finish by Karsten. Um, you know, when the barrel, he puts it in, he installs it, he goes through QC. We shoot every one of them before they go out. So it, it kind of makes it a little more intimate uh, process in gun building. Now, it's probably not the smartest way to make a lot of money, but it's the smartest way to to build a really strong presence in the industry and and have people, you know, trust what you're doing. And the guarantee we we do everybody's like, oh, I'm gonna do a half M-way guarantee or I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it. We did what we call the boring, the boring promise. And all it is is you're happy with the rifle. If you're not happy with the rifle for any freaking anything you send it back we give you your money back that's all there is to it we don't we're not going to hold it against you we're not going to try and take your hard-earned money um you know that you've spent especially a lot of money in one of these precision rifles and take it against you hey i'll take it back and we'll do something else with it that's fine but we've never to this day had anyone return anything everything's been 100 percent taken care of out of the hundreds and hundreds of rifles we built never had an issue and that's one of the things why it's we've kept it small and intimate so that they can they can build that out if that makes sense why why would they you know why would they return that rifle i mean shoot all the ones that we shot were fantastic <clears throat> um i'm just gonna ask go ahead go ahead adam well i'm looking at them i'm looking at these rifles and uh what what's the difference are these different actions on these different so the closer end game like um some of them are like you've got you've got to look at barrels like some have carbon fiber some have stainless okay uh, different different stocks like the closer has a chassis on it which is uh what you know some people love is the new ultralight chassis that's a new thing in the hunting industry the gamer right. is the competition based one there's just differences you know and it's it's from somebody these are things that you've got to kind of research and figure out what you want in a rifle before you come talk to us like i'll go through the nuts and bolts of it like hey what's your what barrel length do you want what do you want to shoot what velocities do you want to hit that's stuff that i can talk the customer through but for the most part people coming to me need to know hey i want a hunting rifle i want it you know somewhat lightweight i want to shoot a long ways and then the cool thing is you call me in and i walk through the build list with you and we build it out completely unique to you you know none of the rifles that we've built have been 
you know, exactly the same. Now, the one we did build for Donald Trump Jr., everybody's wanted a copy of it. We <laughs> built it for Donald Trump Jr. But we've we even the ones that we build other people, we changed in color combinations and stuff. So it didn't look like his because every single one of them is unique coming off the line. Gotcha. So which one would so say say you want a, a hunting rifle mm-hmm. version, I guess you'd say. Which one would you be uh, recommending? That's that's look at because so here's the thing: I shot a lot of chassis, right? Shoot a lot of chassis. I like the closer just because I'm used to that. Now, if if as somebody's used to shooting their pappy's pappy's old gun, you know, I would probably try the mic drop or one of the others. It's more of a traditional stock. That's that's um, the one I'm looking at actually. The <laughs> only problem with a lot of stocks is they don't have the adjustability of a chassis you know if you need to change length pull cheek rise that kind of stuff that all changes with those options and that's stuff that i walk through with you when you come to order and here's the thing this stuff overwhelms most people like people listening to this podcast are going to get super overwhelmed the thing is is i'll sit down with you and i'll walk through it like look what's your budget what are you trying to get and we do have barreled actions. So to a lot of people's point, like if you've got a stock or a chassis, you save up for that. You can call us, get a barreled action. We still guarantee it. And you drop it in whatever you've got and get to town shooting. You know, the thing is, is we kind of are, you know, ebb and flow. We do have a, a less expensive model that we're trying to re-release. We had it released. Defiance pulled all their shit with raising all their prices and stuff. So we pulled it off the market for a little bit because we didn't we didn't want to just raise the price and say, hey, this is you know the cheap version or the, the suck it. <laughs> Don't do that. So we've, we've got to come up with another one. There's a, there is a rifle that I'm trying to release that's going to be back to the inexpensive for the everyday guy. It's not going to be a Bergara at a thousand dollars. It's not. It's going to be, you know, a $2,500 rifle probably, but it's going to be, you get behind it and you know, that some bitch is going to shoot. That's all there is to it. There isn't a roll the dice. This might, this gun might shoot. It might not. I don't know. You're going to get a boring rifle for, you know, a, a less expensive, but we've got to, we've got to try and work on that one again. That well, I also just saw, I was looking at the website. You guys are now offering 223 wild, which I didn't see on there for a while. I so I love them. I, I absolutely love 223. 556 five, is like my main cartridge. Everybody knows all I talk about is AR 15. So, um, my thing is, though, can you <laughs> can you explain the difference between because because Aero Precision has come out with their thing that everyone's just just jumped on. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, you can build out these really nice short action 223s and, and, and have something really good. Or they can go with your barreled action that you guys make. Like, I know they're getting a higher quality rifle. But so many people are looking at this inexpensive stuff and they're like, oh, well, this is so great. Fantastic. Like, what's... I know, I know people are going to choose whatever they want based on their budget and how they want to spend their money. But what, what is the way that these people are going to go? You know what? I want to, I want the most accurate rifle I can get. I'll go with boring over going with cheap arrow precision. Not that I'm knocking them, but I, I would prefer if I'm going to shoot a bolt gun to shoot a boring rifle. So, so first and foremost, there is a difference, you know, two, two, three is the, 
the less pressure velocity version of it. Uh, the throat in it is different. So the biggest difference is the throat, right? T to handle the pressure between 5.56 and 2.23. Uh, 5.56 is inherently not as accurate. 5.56 was designed to shoot a lot of freaking people downrange, um, you know, and inflict as much damage. And it's close combat, you know, 300 meters. We all learned that in the military. It's, it's that kind of look. Now, 2.23 was designed shorter throat because we all know a short jump from a bullet to an ogive or bullet to a throat makes it a little bit more accurate now the two two the two two three wild is the the bastard child between the two so the throat in it's a little bit longer the case is exactly the same as five five six and two two three but it's a little bit longer so you can it's inherently more accurate with more pressure more velocity you can push it a little bit harder like the five five six pressures um and the jump in the throat's a little bit shorter. Uh, I've got one out in Texas right now. He's reviewing. He's a he's an influencer um, with a lot of companies, Pulsar and all sorts of stuff. He goes, dude, this is the most accurate gun I've ever shot in my life. Uh, that exact gun I sent to Guns and Ammo a while back. He said, dude, this is the most most accurate two two three I've ever shot in my life. Um, they all put factory ammo in them, and that's how we try to tune it. We try to tune it for the average dude that doesn't have a whole lot of time to go out there and spend a lot of time with hand loads and trying to dial it in and do all this bullshit that we don't have time for between family and life and everything else. So we've tried to, you know, pick the best components, put them together to make your brain go, Hey, I don't need to worry about it. I know this is gun. This gun's going to shoot. Um, he's killed tons of coyotes with it everything else i built a lot of them you know the sixes are the same way six millimeters six fives all those smaller cartridges but the 223 wild is an awesome little cartridge you can shoot heavier bullets in it you know inherently the 223 used to be a 12 twist 14 twist super slow so it wouldn't stabilize anything over like a 55 grain um, my 223 wild that i custom built it's a big long big ass ar off show it to you one of these days uh, back when I worked for DPMS in Remington, I custom built this rifle. Um, it's, I built it as my thousand yard plus two, two, three. It was crazy, but I did it in a wild chamber and I'm pushing 85 grain bullets out of it. Uh, you know, like 27, 2800 feet per second, which is pushing it. But the wild chamber gives me the ability to get to those pressures without blowing it up. Are you hand loading that? Uh, no, I'm actually shooting Barnes Precision Max. Good I love those things, man. Those things are awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can shoot five, five, six without worrying about blowing up your bowl or locking your bolt up. You can shoot two, two, three, you can shoot whatever you want. And then you just kind of tune it like you would a 22. You just find the ammo you want and away you go. But everybody that we build it for, whether you're shooting nozzle or Hornady, whatever, they've all been super happy with that little round. It's, it's a cool little freaking round, uh, to shoot. Well, didn't they originally make 223 Wild to push the 90 grain projectiles that they were trying to make for a while? I remember I have a buddy in California. Um, he goes by OCAB J. <laughs> uh, and he used to do rifleman. Oh, what is that competition called? Where you, you sit there with your M16 lookalike and you get in your little jacket and you... High power. Oh, high power. Yeah, there that's what it was. High power. <laughs> and so he he did that. And I remember he was talking about two, two, three wild. They kind of made it to do the 90 grain projectiles because they were they were thinking about that, but apparently they were spinning the jackets off of them. I don't know. He probably tells the story way better than me. Um, but <laughs> my question is, do you know anything about that? Because I know you used to 
build bullets for a living. So I was a ballistician for a long time. That's all I ever did. I worked on military projects, PSR or a bunch of that stuff, but we never worked on any nine 90 grains, freaking heavy for, I mean, you're pushing it. Like I always laugh. I'm like, it's like going the speed of smell. If it's that heavy, you know, an 85 is pretty damn heavy for a, for a two, two, three. Now I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to get heavy for Winbuck. They were trying to do all that, but I think most of those guys have settled on that, you know, 70 to 80 grain seems to be like the 77 grains. But the thing is to stabilize that you have to have a super fast twist, whether it be a one and seven, one and seven and a half, one and eight, depending on um, elevation. Yeah. It's the biggest thing, but um, I, I build now I build every AR that I do on a one and eight twister faster. Cause I know it'll stabilize everything, you know, type of thing, but I don't know. I've never shot a 90 grainer, so I have no idea. I didn't even, I honestly didn't even know they were making them. Well, I think, I think they were doing it. And then, the, and then that's why they made two, two, four Valkyrie. And then that was a hot garbage thing that happened. And then after that, um, I know they were trying to push 90 grains and I think one Oh two in two, two, four Valkyrie. I can't remember when you, when you get into all this, this is so much for my brain to handle. So <laughs> millimeter, you're a 95 to 112, you know, as your standard, there are up to 115s. but that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're doing. Once you get up to the 243 cartridges is you got to look at bullet weights, you know, and then you go up a little bit more to 25 and then a little bit more to six, five, but Hell, that seems super heavy to me. Cause like in my 22 Creed, uh, I just build 22 Creed. I'm pushing the 80s at like uh 3,400 feet per second. They're hauling ass, but it was a coyote killing machine. It's like you hold on the coyote out to 350 yards or whatever. Um, but they're barrel burning sons of bitches because they're pushing the hell out of a bullet but you know that's there there's so many cartridges that have filled in the voids that everybody's trying to do you know i've talked about this on my podcast a lot is people try to take a cartridge and do what it's not built to do and they overpressure it and they end up ruining actions or you know an ar is blowing shit out or something like that and i i I preach this to everybody i'm like if you're trying to hit a certain velocity window find the freaking bullet or find the cartridge that goes in that velocity window don't try to make a uh 223 do something that a six millimeter should be doing you know what i mean yeah well i think that was more specifically for high power competitions i believe that's what they were doing that for anybody but even shoot that in? i know i'm gonna get shit from my marine corps buddies but is anybody <laughs> man hey apparently people are still out there doing that i i don't know i interest bless it soul but man a lot of those older things have just died you know it's just the old boys shooting but those sons of bitches knew how to shoot but they'd go down to measuring cases you know weighing cases they'd weigh everything they'd weigh each bullet measure it they were a whole nother level of anal retentive than us PRS <laughs> guys but i mean they shot really good i mean they still hold uh, world records on some of that stuff which is well, nuts. i mean you well. shoot a, a 20 shot group at like a point three, point twos. it's like holy yeah. shit holy well shit. not only that they're doing it at 400 yards 300 yards mm-hmm. well i don't know i don't know dick all about uh what is that high power i i don't know some of those dudes can do some good stuff though they they take an m16 with a i don't know without a bull barrel or a heavy barrel and they're and they're doing some crazy stuff with that yeah we've got um, a lot of the amu guys on the podcast lately and those guys are freaking nuts they're a whole nother level of of 
accuracy. You know what I mean? But there's still a lot of those, you know, Camp Perry. There's still a lot of that high power shit that goes on. But they're the old school M16s with the freaking, you know, iron sights and all that shit. And they've kind of adapted some of it. But Solinsky would be a good one to get on with you guys because he was the he's on team LRT and he was the uh, long range captain for the Marine Corps shooting team. And he could go into more depth of that shit. <laughs> well, I'm not don't worry. Guy. I I don't know a thing about it. <laughs> I've heard I've heard people talk about it. Getting into some of those sports is like, you know what? It's easy for me to go take two guns and shoot at paper. So that's what I <laughs> usually do. <clears throat> We're more about like taking classes and learning how to be better defenders. But I also love. I have like a sneaking back, like like just to my old days where you know getting behind a rifle sometimes brings back some of those good and bad feelings of stuff. So it's it's fun to do and interesting. So I, I guess that's kind of why I wanted to have you on, but I wanted to ask one more question before our, our Adam, did you want to ask a question? Real quick? Well, I got, we were, we were talking about um, uh, different calibers there. What would you, what's, how do I put this? If someone wants to get into shooting longer range, what, what, what's the caliber you would recommend? You're on mute, Cole. I forget I have this mute button. I keep pushing. So I don't breathe like Darth Vader in here. I um, do the same thing. Yeah, but uh, probably 6.5 Creed. 6.5 Creed. And the reason why I say that is it's available from so many different manufacturers. There's so many different options out there for ammunition. So you can kind of go through it and pick what ammunition works for you. The Hornady stuff just flat out shoots. If you've got a 6.5 Creed and it doesn't shoot Hornady, send that some bitch back because it's not. <laughs> I'll give that little plug to the boys at Hornady. They've done a phenomenal job. But yeah, that five is a great caliber. You can hunt with it when you're done. Uh, you can shoot a lot of different animals with it. You know, we've taken elk with it. We've taken a lot of different things with it. Um, not a lot of recoil. You put a good brake, good suppressor on there. You're fine. Um, and the wife and kids can still shoot it. You know, it's, it's a great round. So if you're going to buy one, I think for everything, the six, five creeds, great. Um, I shoot quite a few different calibers depending on what I'm going to do. Six, five PRC, 28 nozzler. I mean, I could go through a whole lot of them that I have and it's all based on, okay, am I hunting elk at 900 yards? Okay. What am I going to hunt with? Uh, you know, and I kind of go into it thinking that, but for the everyday guy that doesn't have a shit ton of money to spend, and I'm going to say this, I would go with like a Bergara or a, a Tika. Tika is one of my favorites. The reason why is because the Tika has kind of become like the Remington 700, the, the AR of the bolt gun world. Like you can buy a lot of aftermarket parts for it. You can buy chassis. You can buy different things. Uh, the Tika T3 and stuff. So if you don't like the barrel, you can screw it off. Uh, proof and a lot of companies make barrels you can put on it. Um, you know, and that's one that you can kind of start with. A lot of the guys that I've helped coach, I'm like, okay, if you don't have a lot of money, grab a Tika, grab one of these, uh, start shooting with it, get comfortable behind it, and then slowly upgrade your stuff like you would in an AR. You know, you're changing the handguard, you're changing your trigger group, that kind of stuff. And, uh, then you go into your ammo choices but i mean it's it's here's the thing as i tell everybody what is the caliber that you if if you're stuck in california or you're stuck in michigan or you're stuck in florida 
what's a caliber that you can go grab off the shelf and shoot if you run out of ammo? Because we I've had that happen before. Ammo hasn't showed up to matches. And I've had I'm in before. Michigan and it's definitely not 250 Savage. <laughs> well, that's it's like it's like me. I bought a 32 uh Winchester special, uh a 32 special because my dad had one forever. I can't find a freaking ammo anywhere. And uh, you know, COVID screwed everybody. COVID screwed everybody with powder, primers, all that bullshit. But all these companies have found, hey, we don't need to build this old obsolete bullshit. All these new cartridges, and that's what comes back six five creed. Everybody's building the freaking round for it. So hopefully that answers your question. Without yeah, and actually that was my next question was like a uh, like an entry, a good entry level, and you said the the Tika there. Yeah, uh, you know, there's here's the thing is people get into precision and they don't budget the optics the optic yeah. should cost as much or more than the rifle in in on all honestly depending on what you're doing right you know you've got like i can't point this one back here you've got the loophole mark five uh you've got a you got there's a bunch of different shit that i've got this is an audio only podcast so no one will know yeah. what you're talking about <laughs> you guys know that's all that matters yeah but um so the, there's a lot of options out there. Burris makes a lot of great, you know, options. They're new XTR threes. Um, I guess that's something you've got to think about too, is are you going to hunt with it? So you need something a little bit lighter, you right. it, that kind of thing. But, you know, most scopes, uh, Vortex done a phenomenal job, you know, putting out a lot of entry level. And there's a lot of new companies that are constantly hounding me. Hey, will you review my new optic? Will you review my new optic? blah 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 it's like holy shit here we go but there's a lot of good optics companies out there you know brownells has their own line um now and there's there's good options you know that one's that one's actually really in, unique to shoot through because when you when you zoom in uh because their first focal plane on their 3 to 18 and their 5 to 25 so when you kind of zoom in and you get there it's almost like the reticle disappears onto the target it's fantastic i actually love running that optic uh and now i i you're making me want to pick another one up <laughs> well, how your parallax setting is too if your parallax is set right it will you know and that's that's a whole nother discussion we can have but it, it you've got to have good optics i tell everybody don't freaking just buy the cheapest thing you can buy because it's not going to track right the, the clarity of the glass sucks everybody's like oh i'm just going to hurry and build this rifle and i'm going to do it for as cheap as i can and I'm going to love it. And it's going to be super accurate. And you might roll the dice and you might get lucky. You might. But this is one of those things that, and it's our saying at LRT, buy once, cry once. Like, don't just go out there and buy the cheapest thing. You know, take a year, build out exactly what you're going to want to do. Because it, it reverts back to my original saying, this is something you're going to be able to hand down to your kids. Like, you're most people are never going to fire enough rounds. Like, I've put multiple barrels on some of these because I fired too many damn rounds through them well i used to i don't anymore but most of these cartridges you're never going to put enough rounds down the barrel to burn it out to have to get another one and if you do there's plenty of options out there that are going to be great you know it's not like something that's going to fall apart in 20 years it's still going to be shooting just as good as long as you take care of it you know so it's an investment it is it truly is i, I tell my wife all the time if i were to die tomorrow you're set like because you could take all just don't just don't sell it for what i told you i sold it for yeah. what i bought it for type thing <laughs> i tell my wife that all the time 
don't tell don't don't sell anything for what I told you I paid for it. Um, <clears throat> my question, I got another one, and it's kind of dumb. I know you're gonna think I I know you're gonna think I'm crazy for asking you this. I want to know what your opinion on eight six blackout is. Do you, I I don't know if you have any relationship with the guys at Q. I I'm asking this because I've I see. I see it on both sides. I've seen why people want it, why people hate it. I want to know you because I kind of consider you like a guru in this industry. I kind of want to know your thoughts. If you don't want to talk about it, I get it. But well, here, here's the thing. And I'm going to let you answer this super easy. Um, why is Hornady so popular when they release something? Think about this. Because they put so much behind it between marketing and sales and uh availability you know seven prc dude it's everywhere it's stupid because it's not really a whole lot more than the seven ram mag or anything else that's ever done but because hornady has made it possible for you to get the ammo for you to get all the parts for you know like boring rifles their name is on hornady's website under hey who do you recommend building seven prc they have made it so good to get that. Now, the problem with the 8.6 blackout is availability, uh, who's building it. So you're limited on who's building it unless you go out and custom build it. Um, you know, and, and what does it add? What What is the value add for that round, right? Um, I don't might, even know why it was created. I, I have no idea. Well, if I worked with him when I worked. He, so if you know anything about him, um, uh what's uh brittingham he's the one to start aac right he, yeah he, and then he he made q yeah he's smart with freaking stuff kevin kevin brittingham i just mm -hmm. took i worked with him at aac um build a awesome brainchild the dude's just smart with a lot of his that kind of thing the problem is is it's just not something it took off you know the 300 blackout um, a couple people got behind it and it took off because the military adopted it and everything else. And that's another thing. Like, it's crazy how if the military adopts anything. It just takes off like crazy, you know, and, and that's one of them, but I just don't, it's cool, but I don't see what value added is. And then there's no going back to Hornady. There's nothing behind it. There's no big company pushing, you know, that there's a couple small companies that are pushing it. Um, it's been all over, you know, if you ask Sean Heron, he's pissed about it um, because of just there's there's nobody out there. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, uh, being it easy to get the, the products and the parts for. Well, I know I know Faxon supported it. I know it was more of a short barreled rifle kind of deal, right? Because they were making them in like 12 and a half inch and 14 inch barrels. Correct. Or am I am I incorrect? I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know because I haven't looked into it because okay. it's, it's one of those. I believe, it's one of those. I believe they are. It's one of those cartridges that I'm like, if I'm not shooting people in the chest or I'm not shooting hogs, why do I need it? You know, it's <laughs> kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the 350 legend, you know, that was built for a niche, right? Those guys that needed straight wall cartridges to go out there and hunt and do their thing. That's why the 350 legend was was created um what's what's that 350 bush or the bushmaster 450 bushmaster we did we did in the beginning at barnes we did a lot of bullets off of that but then it kind of died off because what the hell are people going to do with it and it's expensive to shoot you know it's not one of those things that you can just it comes back to the six five creedmoor thing where can you where can i go buy ammo for that if i'm stuck somewhere 
or if shit hits the fan, I've got to stockpile that stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I, I don't, I get why people like I've done it before. I've gone off the wall and built off the wall, crazy ass cartridges, but you don't think about, okay, now you got to have special brass that you might have to fire for them. Uh, you might have to have, uh, you know, special reloading equipment. The reloading equipment alone is expensive as hell. Um, you know, there, there's so many factors that go into all this crazy wildcat shit that people don't really think. And for the average guy that's out there buying stuff, he's not going to go invest all this money into all this wildcat bullshit. You know, it's cool. It's cool for us that appreciate it and love the guns and everything else and and I used to have time, but for the guys that had time to go out there and screw with loads and do all that cool load development, do all that shit. But it's, it's not for the average guy, for the average hunter, or for the guy that, like I said, only has a few hours every couple months to go out there and shoot and enjoy it, you know? And mm -hmm. that's kind of how you got to tailor all the new stuff in my mind. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, there are so many, like, I like 350 legend that that was a, that's a good cartridge because there's a lot of States around Texas where you have to have a straight wall cartridge for hunting. Uh, and, and 350 legend up to, I think three or 400 yards is pretty good. I mean, granted, I think it's a nine millimeter bullet basically. Like I know it's different, but nine millimeters, 355. So you'd be pretty close. Probably. I, there are a lot of guys were saying they reload it with some nine millimeter rounds if they're, if they're doing plinking with it. So I have no idea. Um, uh, that was just what I, I, I saw on YouTube. Um, what is, what are some of your favorite optics? Like, uh, like give us like low end and high end. <laughs> and I, I know we shot the Leupold Mark fives, but, and you have a ton of optics experience because you, the way you kind of do everything with PRS, don't you kind of do like custom reticle type stuff? No, I've helped with shit here and there. If you watch EOTech's new stuff, I'm their long range one-on-one guy. Which I was I like, cool. I don't know what they were drinking when they thought that up, but um, the, the, the thing is, like I said, there's a lot of good new, I don't know if I should go down this rabbit hole here um there there's a lot of good new optics out there the thing that people need to understand is most optics in the world are built in one of three or four places uh japan is one of them germany which is the really good glass uh china which is the shit and uh the philippines they've built some stuff so most of the glass in the world comes from one of you know a few places right um so you've got to kind of take that into effect. You know, you've got the super high-end tangent theta, Schmidt and Bender, uh, super high-end stuff that most people are never going to buy because it fucking costs as much as a car. Um, I was sponsored a long time by U.S. Optics. Loved U.S. Optics. Loved the company. Loved the, the brand. Loved the people. Um, they made a lot of changes, moved a lot of time, sold um you know this is uh uso setup with a zero delta um but some of their new stuff is good it's okay but for the u.s optics brand for the where it was i don't think it's gone in the right direction i'm gonna get crucified from u.s optics for saying this but um i, I love uso uh the one above it 
that you two are seeing is the Maven. Maven's done a good job um, for the hunting industry. They've been more direct to consumer. They haven't been one of those companies that has, uh, you know, gone down the distributor route and all the other bullshit. Loophole above that. Um, I've got loopholes. I've got Burris's. I've got uh, EOTEX. I've got a little bit of everything. And honestly, my eye can't tell a whole lot of difference between a lot of them. And the big thing that I tell people nowadays is get behind an optic that you love their brand you love the people they are you love the story they tell um because they probably got a good brand vortex i've been i've loved vortex forever everybody's like well if you got to use their stupid warranty there's an issue with it you know i've had a lot of vortexes i've never had an issue with i've had a couple of vortexes that i have had an issue with and they've made it right um you know for the average guy walking down the street you know i was in destin florida last week on vacation and i can't believe the vortex shirts that i saw you know they're just loyal fan base people that are appreciative because they take care of um their people now vortex has the low end and they have the ultra high end you know they, they've got everything and that's what's good about a lot of these new optics companies is they have something that that everybody can kind of afford from the lowest to the highest you know burris is another one of those Love i think burris. I think Vortex is one of those companies you can kind of grow with. Like when you, when you like, Oh, I like this optic. And then you can kind of go up from there. That's one of the things I've seen from a lot of people that I shoot with is they started out kind of like low mid medium, like the, like the strike fire or, stri or strike Eagle. And then they go into the Viper line and then they're like, Holy crap. Like it's a, it's a jump, but it's a, it's a jump that I think is worth it. Well, you know, and that's like my little boy, I, I just built him a rifle um and the the scope that i picked was a pst gen 2 vortex and i'm like it's a great optic the price is right it's it's you know it's there if there's everything wrong with it or he destroys it i know i can fix it or i can replace it you know and vortex has done a good job they've put good reticles in stuff they've taken care of people uh th they're just a good company and th the biggest thing is they benefit they sponsor a lot of shit man if you haven't gone to an event the vortex hasn't spawned uh oh i think cole wanted to leave us that quick <laughs> i think we lost him while we're talking about optics i, I want to hear his opinion on uh some of the thermal stuff am i here yeah you're back now you're back all right my internet, <laughs> my freaking internet i'm just gonna kill these people no you're all you're all good <laughs> um what was i where was i um yeah vortex burris some of these companies are great i mean you can't go wrong with them good reticles good choices good people um oh i was uh if you haven't been to an event the vortex hasn't sponsored you probably haven't gone to a lot of events right it's <laughs> like i look at that like they they give back like how much money does Vortex give back to the industry, right? How many times have you been to like a hunting event or a shooting event or anything else where, where Vortex has sponsored it? And, you know, loopholes there. There's a bunch of these companies are there. And that's another thing that I look at when I buy an optic um, is I want to support those who support our industry, right? Those who are giving back. Now, I, I understand a lot of these new little companies can't do that necessarily, and they do what they can, but there's a lot of these bigger companies that don't do shit. They're just like, here, buy your thing. If you break it, it's your deal, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's something to kind of think about when you're buying an optic too. So while uh, 
while we're talking about optics, um, do you do any uh, thermal stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's something else I've been I've been interested in that, and uh, there's a lot. That's another thing that there's tons of options and specs, and there are. I uh, shoot a lot of pulsar. I'm good friends with those guys. Love pulsar stuff. I'll be completely honest with you. For the guy that doesn't have a whole lot of money, that wants a decent piece of thermal. Look at the Burris stuff, BTS uh, 35, BTS 50. I have them. I have the, B, uh, the BTH 30, which is the handheld, and the BTH uh, 50. Dude, that thing's killed more coyotes in the last couple of years than you'd care to think. And they were inexpensive. They weren't that, that – I mean, you look at most thermal. You look at the high-end stuff like the e, or the EOTEX. You look at uh, the Halos. You look at uh, the Trigicons, the Reap IRs. You look at that stuff and it's like, you know, 10 grand, eight, 10 grand, whatever it is. Um, this, this Burris stuff, like I was just looking on optics planet today. I think they were on sale for, for the, for the scope one with the mount and everything. I think it was right around three, 3000, um, you know, and then you get the handheld scanner. I found that I had to have a handset because I, I, it, when I first started, I was in the pores, you know, and I was trying to pull my optic off and use it as a scanner and then hurry and throw it back on. And that didn't work out so well. All right. So now I have a handheld and I have the scanner so we can have it out and we're, you know, we're scanning because those little bastards can come in quick, but um, you know, it's just, it's just like anything though, is that's a good starting point, but it's just like when you get into the night vision, PBS 14 shit, you get into the high end phosphorus stuff the more money you spend on it, the better quality you get. But for the average guy trying to get into it, I think you're going to be super happy with the Burris stuff. And honestly, for what you use it, you might just stay there, you know, and the, a lot of the new Pulsar stuff, they've come a long way. The only issue that I've ever had with thermal stuff is, um, is ranging. I, you, you do this. If you've hunted thermal at all, you know how hard it is to figure out how far something is out there. Um, I run the uh, silencer co radius on a lot of my stuff, the laser range finder, but a lot of the new pulsar stuff has all that shit built in. So, you know, you're trying to, all right, I'm I got my two, two, three wild, it's 300 yard shot. Here's my whole pow. I'm going to nail it some bitch. And that's one of the big issues that I've had is trying to range and do everything. Cause that's something that people don't think about when they buy thermos. Just how the hell far is it? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't had that issue because i haven't used it oh dude, it's once you get into it it's like crack man because like back when we were we were coyote hunting a lot but uh we were also 18 19 years old so we were using the sight mark wraiths <laughs> and that was if you had one of those you were cool if you if you couldn't afford that you had the red light mm -hmm. yeah. you're using the red light with your scope yep yeah and the lasers lasers yeah Dude, there's been plenty of nights we woke up on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, Nevada, you know, just because we were doing all-nighters hunting coyotes, and it was just so freaking fun. Because you're out there in the middle of nowhere, you're howling, they're howling back, you're trying to figure out where the hell they're coming from. There's been a few times I can hear them breathing in the brush running next to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, God, little bastard around here somewhere, so I got to try and find it. But thermal changes all that. But And then, you know, when it comes to uh, personal offense, 
you know that kind of stuff man no one can hide from thermal well you can't if you hide behind a building it's not like in the movies where you're in apache and you can see through walls and shit but it's in god know, mode carry, <laughs> carry around a pane of glass with you yeah, but if, you know if somebody's out there i know they're out there because i can see them you know they can't hide from me i've done a lot of videos in the backyard where my kids try to hide from me and i go out there and cheat <laughs> that's, that's something else that's something that's really interesting too is uh trying to counter thermal mm-hmm. all that uh all those different materials you can throw over you and stuff and do all that but mm-hmm. cole i gotta know because i know you shoot a lot of bolt guns but what's your favorite bolt or gas do you like gas guns like ars or dude i started out with gas guns loved them out of the military um you know i'm I just, I love that whole side of things. I build a lot of ARs like that custom 223 wild. I told you about, um, you know, and long range tactics, I'm going to do a big focus this year on AR tens and, uh, three Oh eight, six fives, that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to do some stuff with Falcor on the Petra, the 300 wind mags, you know, that kind of stuff. I love ARs, but if you're going to get super precise, there's a reason why the bolt gun was, you know, the bolt gun, you still always go back to the bolt gun um you know open rates they're, they're just inherently more accurate um you know towns and wayland said it only only accurate rifles are interesting you know it's one of those things but i also want to say that ars and that type of thing have come a long long ways even in the last few years at accuracy uh you can get half minute three quarter minute ars you know and i still tell everybody build your ar you know build it out how you want it fit it do everything you're gonna do but there's a lot of ar companies out there that are just building good shit man and if you're doing mm-hmm. if you're doing close quarter stuff man i'll take an ar every day you know what i mean no, who I'm wouldn't <laughs> well the russians uh <laughs> i i did have another thing is uh boring rifles ever gonna get into the ar barrel making thing or are they they not 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 a plan because it's kind of saturated i take it Oh, my boy, his, uh, Scott Milkovich, good friend of mine, been friends with the Milkoviches forever. If you follow AR badass AR 10 shit, go check his stuff out. Specialized dynamics, but he wraps his own barrels. It's called spade composites. Um, dude, he builds some freaking solid stuff. So if you're looking for AR 10, AR 15, uh, he just did a AR 10 with an Arca built in rail um he's doing a lot of stuff in that point of things so go, yeah spade composites or specialized dynamics specialized dynamics dude he builds off the wall shit 22250 ar10s uh that kind of crap you know oh he's, wow these are one, beautiful looking dude he builds some solid shit builds i will have a link to this in the show notes below if you guys want to check it out um but yeah spade composites they're out of phoenix 480 Yep. Wow. So that's a good dude. Yeah, he's bro- he's brothers with Tim Milkovich. If you've shot long enough, you know Tim. Uh, they're Tim and Scott are good buddies or brothers. They're good buddies of mine. Uh, they're they're just good dudes. But Scott's a good dude. And that's awesome. I mean, what what uh, have you used their barrels? I take it you run them. He's actually sending me some. Uh, that like I said, in this this year and in 2023 we're going to do a lot of that ar10 testing because seekins was another one i had him on my podcast a while back uh the sp10 contract you know they got with uh tier one guys and i i want to really test that side of things and see how far 
AR-10s and AR-15s have come over the years. You know, you've got the Geisleys. Geisley just released. I was down at SHOT Show talking to them. They just released 6 ARC and all that shit. I mean, good Lord, it's a still a $5,000 gun. If I'm going to pay yeah. back, I'm buy a bolt gun. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I actually saw that because uh, I think Brownells might be carrying them soon. So I was actually looking at that. But, yeah, they're, they're $4,800 for those 6 ARC guns. And they can't even keep the mags in stock. Like, they haven't been able to do that in the last like three years. So I can... you know, six arcs. I, I have one. I have a 14 and a half inch six arc uh, suppressed suppressor goes into the handguard and all that shit. Love it. Um, I have Brownells helped me build that one, but the six arcs a badass little cartridge. You, mm-hmm. can, run you can run a bolt. Uh, that's again, that comes back to Hornady and the way they push stuff out. That's a Hornady round all the way. Well, yeah, and 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 Roy out there at, in Iowa making uh, 500 yard standing shots with ARs is not bad with six millimeter arc. <laughs> Funny thing was, is that so? This kind of tells you the story. That cartridge was actually it's pretty much just a six five grand old neck down to six arc or six millimeter. It was this, there was a couple guys here in Utah using it for years. Uh, it was a six. Uh, they called it six fat rat. They called it a few different things. I saw that that cartridge being used long before Hornady released their version of it. But because Hornady released their version of it and they put everything that Hornady is behind it, that's why it went skyrocket. So that, that kind of tells you a little bit more about the 8.6 blackout. <laughs> well, the 8.6 blackout is what it is. Um, one, what favorite gun? In your whole collection, what do you what'd you build? Hmm. That one's a hard one. Um, I don't know. I've got so many favorite guns. Um, my new six GT is probably one of my favorite ones because it was super easy to build load for. It's shooting point threes, uh, point twos, point three, ten shot groups. It's freaking nuts how accurate it is. Um, my Lapua, I love it. Uh, I don't know. I I'm just that guy. Everybody's like, if you're gonna build one, I'm like, I can't just build one. I got a problem. I got a freaking. I need to go to counseling. I feel the same way because I'm the I'm the exact same way. And I know I know Adam is too because he's got like five different guns that he puts up on his wall. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. so. look at him, but it's you know I love my blackouts. Those were some of the first ones that I built. I've got six or seven three hundred blackouts now that I love. Um, and I build them on different mission, you know, missions. I built the shorties, uh, for close quarter stuff. I've got those. I've got one next to my bed all the time, all lit up and suppressed for, if I'm going to put rounds on somebody that comes in the house. That's what it's for. I have another 300 blackout that's built for coyote hunting, you know, at three, two, 300 yards. Um, I, I don't know. I've just kind of adapted rifles to what situation that I wanted to build them for, if that makes sense. You know, this new one, I just barely got, um, I want it. I want it the cryptic part. It's a 33 nozzler. Um, it's one of the new 33 cows. So I got a 338. Now I got 33 nozzler. Um, I don't know, man, there's not necessarily a favorite one. There's, there's quite a few in there. One of the first rifles I ever started with was a Parker Hale 30 six. My, one my dad gave me and it's still sitting in there it's kind of like a museum piece to me now because that was my i remember as a little kid it wasn't muzzle broke or anything dude that thing kicked the ever living shit out of me I hated that gun because it knocked over every time i'd shoot it but 
now that I look back, I mean, it's one of my favorite guns because of it got me to where I'm at, you know, in my game. That was actually going to be my, my next question was first, first, uh, rifle. Yeah, it was either. Well, so my parents, my very first rifle that I ever got was a Marlin, uh, model 60, uh, 22, man, I think killed more freaking animals. Um, then I got an 870 express shotgun. That was the next one. And then uh up to uh smith and west in 223 they didn't make them for very long they were made overseas uh, and then the parker hill uh that my dad gave to me that was made in uh birmingham england way back when and they didn't you know it's kind of one of those like i said museum pieces to me but i don't know it's all gone from there one of my first prs rifles was a 300 wind mag that we made after uh the um it was the Schneider Barrel Marine Corps shooting team custom built crazy ass rifle, and everybody hated my guts when I'd take that thing to a match shooting, shooting, but you know, 220 grains hauling ass. And it's man, it's just it's everybody has a place where they start in their shooting career, and everybody thinks, Well, I see this dude on Instagram, and he's you know, he's got all this shit. And it's like you kind of want to hear the story of where they started to get to that point. You know, I've got a lot of guns now and what, you know, what, what got you to where you're at and got kept your interest going, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that's kind of everybody's thing though. I mean, everybody has a, has a place they start. I mean, look at you, look at, look at Sean, look at everybody in the industry, you know, they're out there and they're Sean's doing it. Blanks. He's fine. <laughs> hey another podcast we like shooting along with <laughs> long range tactics or long range addicts um do you do you have some time to stick around some more or you got to get you got to get going oh we can go i just got a call from my wife we can stick around for a minute okay, okay. uh we're just going to talk about a couple products of the week unless adam you had any more questions no, I mean, unless you want to start talking about like old calibers, <laughs> that stuff's cool. I mean, like, like the stuff that grandpa was using growing up hunting, that stuff was, and that's, that's kind of why I asked the caliber question earlier was just to see, because I mean, you never, you don't, I guess 4570 was the shit, right? 4570 was the caliber of the West killed Buffalo, killed everything else, you know, and and the progression of everything like my dad he shot 30 30 everybody's like yeah 30 you wouldn't shoot that shit long range down now you wouldn't 32 special um you know like, all that stuff was that that was the original stuff that started everything i remember he had a uh oh it was a seven millimeter mauser i don't remember but it had i can't remember the name of that stock where they go all the way down to the end and curl up that stuff he had uh one of those and I, I remember thinking that was the coolest thing ever and seeing grandpa poke around in his red instead of orange oh yeah yeah um yeah there was oh shit the what did they call that the um i don't know if you wouldn't ask me i could have told you um there, there was a lot of that old cool stuff you know and there's a lot of people like roy hill from brown hills man that guy he loves that old shit cap and ball type stuff and that old stuff and it had its place it really did you know 30 out six has kind of been replaced big time 308's kind of been replaced big time but man you still get a lot of those people that call hey i want a custom 30 out six it's like what you realize that we've come a long way since then but you realize we're in the 21st century 
<laughs> well, and that's 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 it. They just love that shit, and that's what they grew up with. And and that's that's the reason I'm still kind of obsessed with that 250 Savage, is because hearing for 13 years, Grandpa talk it up every every year. You're up north hunting, and but like you're saying, Hornady's the spot to get it. <laughs> That's where I've been getting it for a few years now. Well, that's like mine. I mean, because Remington built a lot of the 32 Winchester special shit, and you can't find it anymore because he's, you know, Remington went under and everything else. And I found it online. I found it on Gunbroker in a couple places, but dude, it's like gold. Yeah. It's worth a penny now. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. Now I can't shoot it because I don't have any of the freaking brass. I've got like two boxes of ammo for the freaking thing i bought it from my neighbor because it was my dad you know my dad's that's what he killed a whole lot of his big ass deer with and that was kind of one of those nostalgia things and uh now i can't freaking even find the damn ammo for it you said 32 winchester special is that a rifle round so is that is that now like the new you you said 32 so i'm assuming that that's kind of so it's a lever action rifle. So it's like the third. Oh, oh, okay. So that's that's <laughs> what those guys used, though. That's what they had. You know, that the long range rifle back in back in his day. I mean, he killed he killed huge freaking deer. You guys can't see it, but it's it's off to this way. There's a great big one on top of one of my safes right here that that there's a great big deer. But man, that's what those guys used. He, he told me stories about shooting freaking giant mule deer off of a horse running you know it was just that's that, that was back in the day that's what it was it was that was kind of cool I'm it sure was like those stories but like like the uh I, man the amount of times i heard stories about guys using lever action 3030s off of hay trailer or uh uh hay wagons it's and you you don't see that ever anymore because no, it's all about long range. How far can I shoot something type thing? I never, I never even grew up in a family that really hunted. Like I've been dove hunting a few times and I've been elk hunting twice. Uh, I was supposed to want a bear hunt, but that fell through, but I've, I've, I've never grew, I never grew up in a family that hunted. So I never even, I didn't have a hunting rifle till just a few years ago. So it's interesting to, to see a lot of, of a lot of the stuff that everybody gets to talk about whether they grew up with. This is pretty cool. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is, you know, a lot of the parents now, so I run one of the biggest uh, youth hunts in the country for uh, predator hunting. And it's amazing every year, the amount of parents that reach out to me and like, Hey, I don't hunt. Uh, I don't do any of this, but my kid would love to learn, you know, and they want to figure out how to get into it. And I'm like, dude, we're happy to help. We're happy to get them through hunter's education. We're happy to help you know, get them because that's, that's the next generation because conservation starts there, right. With, with the hunting and everything else, because no one cares more about con conservation than hunters, in my opinion. And uh, it definitely is one of those things, no matter what age you're at, it's never too late to get involved with that kind of stuff. You know, down in Texas, dude, you got so many opportunities to hunt. It's not even funny. And uh, they don't necessarily cost a lot of money. You can get into doves, you can get into ducks, you can get into whitetails, you can get into whatever's down there, you know. There's a lot of different things down there. And, uh, you know, I think that's everybody's kind of ideas. Well, it, I, I can't get into it. I'm too old. No, nah, you're never too old to get into that shit, man. 
Oh no, I, I love, I would love to learn. The thing is, is the time. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't have enough time between this and everything else. And then, and then trying to figure out everything with my family. Like there's, there's, you know, the opportunity kind of has to like fall within 10 feet of me. <laughs> so you can, uh, you can always come up to Michigan and I'll do, do give you the lazy white tail deer hunting experience and stick your ass on a hay bale and leave you there for <laughs> oh, from daylight to dark. And- oh no, man. I want to, I, I mean, I want to go trek through the woods. I want to go hike 20 miles. Like I've, I've been, uh, I've been on this thing about like losing weight. It's like, and, and I'm, I'm trying to just move more and, and get out there. And the, the funny part is, is I'm trying to do all this stuff. Like, uh, next month there's this, uh, two gun match and it's supposed to be like a brutality style match where it's like, you're going to be doing a lot of running and gunning and shit like that. And I haven't done that since the army. So n- that's like now getting into getting into it. I'm, I'm pretty excited. So I've been, I've been doing a lot of shit, like running around my neighborhood with my plate carrier on freaking out my neighbors and shit. But, um, that's kind of what I'm trying to get into now, but I'm fuck come hunting season. I would be more than happy to come up to Michigan and hang out with you. If you want to trek through the woods. Um, I wish a flight to Utah was a lot cheaper than it was. But here's the thing. And, and Adam can say this, I mean, dude, so many more memories are ever built with sitting around a campfire hunting or hunting with your kids. If you want to spend some good quality freaking time with your family, it's the way to do it. I mean, I could tell you stories all night long that I've remembered because I was hunting or I was creating those memories with family that I wouldn't have any, if I were just going to the range, I don't remember most of the trips I make to the range. Man, I went shot, hit some still did my thing, but I remember most of the hunting trips I was ever on, man. There's always takeaways from that. And it's not just necessarily about the hunting. It's about, you know, being a family. It's about everything else. And I think that's what people kind of need to take away from the hunting aspect side of things is, you know, the memories that you can build with your kids and with your family and, uh, some common ground that you can kind of get away and, and do that kind of stuff with, you know, and man, it's, it's stuff that if you did it now, your kids would remember forever guaranteed. And I'm sure Adam's that way too. Yeah. Go ahead. It's, it's almost like it doesn't even have to be hunting. I think a lot of people just aren't making that time really for anything, anything, to do with family kind of stuff and then once all them people die then it's left to you and you're not doing anything so yeah well that's the thing like i remember i remember going pheasant hunting with my dad like we used to hunt for dove and quail and i remember that was fun walking through the desert in arizona like i i grew up doing that almost every summer but i i never i never did like long range hunting or i never not i guess not long range i never did like big game hunting or anything like that like that was something i always wanted to do because I love elk. <laughs> I went, I went on an elk hunt with some friends and they got an elk and they gave me some. And that was, that was phenomenal. But I would, I would love to go do that again. Is there a lot of elk hunting out there in uh, where you're at in Utah? Yeah. Lots and lots. Where's my elk shed right there? Oh, look at you. Yep, there's a lot we kill elk every year we turn it into burger and everything else uh, we've been eating my antelope burger a lot lately and yeah i mean that's we always say it's the fill the table type thing you know we don't just do it for memories we do it for to fill the freezer too but mm-hmm. yeah there's, there's there's elk opportunities out here there's 
cow, you know, cow elk, spike elk, whatever you want to do. There's a lot of stuff you can buy over the counter. It's just getting here and doing it. You know? What about you, Adam? You got any elk or yeah, I know you have deer up there, right? So that's, that's basically all I've ever done. We were just big white tail, you know, go up for, uh, I would go around, poke around during bow season and then everyone would come up for rifle. And then same thing with a uh, muzzleloader afterwards, it would typically just be a couple people. But um, there's a bunch of elk up north. Well, that's I believe. A, I, that's I the thing. Check. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people show up for rifle season. Then there's bow season, and then there's all these different seasons that you can do. How many cups do you have, Cole? <laughs> Lots. <laughs> Went from a sprite cup to a hornady cup. <laughs> um. But that that's the thing is is all the the dates and everything, and then you got to get into it, and then the, getting the tags and making sure you have your. Some states require you to have a license. Some states require you to just be with someone with a license. And it's all sorts of weird things. There's a lot that goes into hunting that I think is. I mean, to me, it's pretty daunting. Uh, considering I don't necessarily make the time to go figure all that stuff out. Uh, how hard would you say? it is to hunt like to get started in hunting it used to be a lot harder like there's apps like onyx uh go hunt um there's a lot of apps now that you can say hey i want to hunt an elk where's a good place that i can go hunt an elk um you know and do that kind of thing and they give you like draw it's become so much easier as far as understanding where to put in it's become harder to actually draw for those because so many people are putting in for them. Uh, you know, down there in Texas, there's plenty of places that ranchers just want pigs dead. Uh, there's plenty of places that you can go buy management or get a management deer or, you know, that's the thing of Texas is a lot of it's private. But if you were to go over the board in Oklahoma or, you know, just go a little bit further than your comfort zone, you can find those places, but it, it's, it's something you can do. And it's, I guess it's like anything, you know, how, how dedicated are you at, at trying to, to do that? You know, how bad do you want to, do you want to provide for your family? Do you want to go get some meat? Do you want to do that kind of thing? Do you want to take your kids out? You know, there's a lot of people around here that just take their kids out and they don't necessarily hunt. They just road hunt. They make a sandwich, you know, they have fun, they build memories, I guess you got to figure out how far you take it. You know, I've, I've been blessed enough to take a lot of different animals over the years and man, we've built a lot of freaking memories from it, but it it's, it's relatively simple to do depending on what you want to hunt and what you want to get out of the hunt itself. Well, that's good information. Well, everybody, Millar has now joined us from his, his family fiasco there. So what, what's up? <laughs> We're just talking about weird. Go ahead. Pop on for a short bit here. I probably got to get down there uh, with him again shortly, but uh, obviously Cole's on, so I wanted to swing on and say hi. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a rough last, I don't know, 72 hours. Do you want to explain to everybody what happened? Um, so my son, uh, who is six, that's right, was uh, trying to feed our fish and he stood up on a stool. And he fell off of the stool and broke his arm, his left arm, right behind his wrist. Um, went to the hospital. 
on it was Easter night, so Sunday. Got there around 8.20. They transferred us to another hospital by 5 a.m. because they didn't get the bone placement where they uh, would like to see it. The other hospital um, was just about to have a shift change, so I had to sit for about an hour, hour and a half. Went through the shift change, and then um, they decided that they did not want to operate. The, the bones were within tolerances that uh, they felt that it would grow and correct itself. Um, our pediatrician advised us to get another opinion, and the other opinion aligned with the first hospital, the hospital, uh, excuse me, hospital we were at, um, which was basically it's not anywhere near where it needs to be, and um, you can go the other route and it might take three years for it to you know grow and actually wind up straight um but to actually assure that it grows back straight and uh correct uh they had to operate so just got back from that man bone surgeries are never fun they got to pull them apart and set them back in and do all that stuff Ugh. was it at least a clean break or did they say it splintered or uh it looked like clean break Nobody okay. said it splintered, so, but they That's weren't good. able to set it because it was, I think it was so clean that it was just sliding off the other side. They put a, they put a plate in there. Uh, he's got like two, I don't know how to describe it. The doctor described it as like a paper clip holding it together. So there's like two pins that are in there. Oh, that they, they pinned it. Remove. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been going through and then trying to log on to here. Not my luck. Uh, my um, email provider that uh, my email with the link to here was on for some reason was erroring out. So I you, just scrambled just for like 10 minutes to, <laughs> I just, I was trying, <laughs> I forwarded it from my phone to my other oh, email. And then gotcha. I, then of course, like uh, Google's trying to do like the two-step verification to like get into that email and it wasn't pulling up on my phone. I'm like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> Man, it sounds like you're just having all sorts of bad times. Well, we'll definitely be praying for your boy and all that Thank stuff. You. So, and your Thank family you. and all that. And then, uh, do you have any questions for Cole? Uh, I mean, I kind of missed everything that was going on, so I don't know. Well, what, what... everything that I wrote down that I've already I've already asked. So, <laughs> you got to think of your own stuff. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to check in, see how things are going. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, he Cole was the infamous teacher at where Millar and I went to Iowa, and he taught our long range uh, crash course, is what I think Cole called it when we were there. So, um, basic, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I saw you've been uh, doing the EOTech stuff too. I don't know what the hell they were drinking. <laughs> Just trying to spread knowledge wherever we can, you know, that type of thing. So. No, that's that's another thing is the EOTech stuff. I actually got to shoot a couple of the EOTech reticles. And when I saw you pop up, I was like, no way. I think this means I have to get the EOTech scopes now. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I've been eyeing them for a while. I just, I for the, for the shooting I do, I have no clue what I want. Well, age 59, I always thought I needed it. You know, and I thought I needed big complex reticles, but only if you're holding a lot. But in most cases, you want to dial anyway. So, you know, you just find a good a good reticle with good wind holds and everything else, and you dial for everything else if you're not in a giant hurry. And 
I don't know. There's there's a lot of good options out there. You can't. I don't think you can go wrong with a lot of them. And well, I take that back. You can go wrong with some of them. But uh, we we kind of went over that and what to choose and you know what you want to do with that. So yeah, I got to dive into those videos. I've just seen um, the short clips pop up on Instagram so far. Um, <laughs> the other day you popped up in my feed and I was like, what the hell is Cole doing on EOTech's page? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was like, oh, I guess, I guess he's kind of a guru. So I guess it's, I guess it's probably why they want him there. <laughs> the funny thing is, is you'd be surprised how many videos I'm actually behind, um, you know, but whether it be producing it or putting it out or anything else, but I, I usually try not to be the guy on talking, but. I was gonna say because I know you said when when we were in Iowa you were like I hate being on camera, and I was like I was like I swear to God he probably said to somebody around him you want to be the guy on camera I'll give you two hundred bucks just say what I say. <laughs> the problem is is in long range shooting people can kind of pick apart how full of bullshit you are you know in a lot of cases so you can't just turn it to anybody. Um, you know, we'll see how I, I did, I think, eight or nine videos for them. We'll see how good they do. Maybe they never have me come back again. I don't know. But it was it was a good experience. And hopefully somebody can learn something from it, you know. I think we all have an EOTech EXPS or XPS of some kind. So, you know, I think it's I think it's only natural that we progress into their long range stuff here pretty soon. I'd agree. I'd agree. <laughs> I, I haven't. When I did these videos, it was you know cold and winter here so i didn't get a whole lot of time behind them but i hear pretty soon i'm gonna get some time behind them so we'll see how they work out well that was the other thing because we we shot those loophole mark 5 hds um that that eotech that what's that short stubby eotech that the 5 to 25 they make a little voodoo yeah yeah i i have a hard time with ultra short scopes because of eye boxes and how you adjust it on your rail and everything else and i like it it's in a one-piece mount um but it's definitely something that if you don't have a full rail um there's nothing you can do with it you know what i mean well adam is our volunteer firefighter on the on the podcast and he just got a call so he's off to go save hot chicks or something i don't know um <clears throat> maybe i'll bring you an axe back fucking better one of these days i swear to god no that's the you you say about long-range shooting uh about pe how people can tell how full of shit you are like i've fuck i've taken like two things of long range and i i hate shooting long range <laughs> almost like i'm like i'm always, I always feel like i'm under pressure to perform when i'm there so it happens it's overwhelming to deal with wind and to deal with all the variables and it is super overwhelming but it's something that I tell everybody, you can invest all you want into your scope. You can invest all you want into your gun, but you got to invest into yourself too. You're never going to be good at it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely take the training. I mean, if you are interested in long range, you actually, you actually teach people, you, you do lessons, right? Cole? Yeah. We've got one coming up with, uh, in June with CR2 shooting solutions. Um, Chris is a good friend of mine. He was actually one of the cadre at the U S army sniper school um and he's coming up in june to teach a full course two-day course i believe it's like 600 bucks but man it's a it's gonna be something that you're gonna want to invest in uh with having him come teach a class and 
having all the ins and outs. Uh, we do a lot of, I try to do a lot more hunting style uh, type things. There's a lot of guys out there that are awesome at teaching the PRS uh, skill stuff and, you know, Chris Way and some of these guys that, you know, Chris Roberts and some of these guys that are just phenomenal. It's not my cup of tea to teach. Um, there's just so much that goes into it. But for those guys trying to be better hunters and different things like that, we do it. And then it's through uh, long range tactics or boring rifles, one of the two, but yeah, we do that quite a bit. Yeah. I remember when I went through sniper school, it was like being fed a fire hose of information. Cause that's the thing they tell you like from day one, like it's going to be a fire hose and it's not going to let up. So I can only assume it's still the same way when you're going to some of that shit. And I, and I fucking, I've barely passed the shit I did. So well, the thing is, is we make it smaller, more intimate, you know, there's, there's 10 guys maybe total and we kind of break it down into, you know, and then depending on what school or what class you go to with who they have like PRS one, PRS two, PRS three. So you can, you know, kind of build your way up and take what you need out of it. I still constantly go to trainings. I still constantly go to classes from other people because I'm always trying to learn and try to be a better shooter when I have time. But if you don't, especially in, uh, you know, wh whether it be uh, car uh, carbine or long range or whatever, I mean, if you don't invest in yourself, it does you no good to just go out there and burn ammo. You know, you can go burn all the freaking ammo you want all day long, but without understanding what you need to train for and how to train your brain and that kind of stuff, it, it just, it, it doesn't work. Not in Well, even doing it the old school way is kind of painful. Like when you just write all of your equations down and you do all that, like that's pretty painful. And then now you have the, what would the hell were those things called? The Kestrels. Well, yeah. The Kestrels. Now you have the Kestrels that can kind of do everything for you. And that, I mean, shit, when I, when you showed me that, I was like, what is this magic? <laughs> they, they were pretty cool. Shit. It's all about putting in the right, the right numbers. And, if you don't put in the right numbers, you don't understand what to put in. But that's one cool thing about like Kestrel. Kestrel puts on free classes every month to teach you how to use your shit. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's so many different things that you can learn. Um, you know, different people and different recommendations that I have to learn. And it's just, it's just how it is, you know. Well, tell everyone how, how they can find you, Cole. And what, where can they find you for your class? If they want to take your class, what, what website is that? Um, right now it's only on boring rifles. So if you go to boringrifles.com and you go to the boring experience, you can see that. Um, if you want to take our class, I've got to build it out better into long range tactics, or you can just send a message to us and we can either do it for us. Or if you're across the country, we can recommend somewhere for you to go to learn it. Um, that's longrangetactics.com or on our Instagram or Facebook, which is long range tactics. And all of that will be in the show notes down below, everybody, if you guys need anything. Uh, real quick, a couple of products this week, if you guys just want to highlight for Brownells, um, fix, fix It Sticks. I know they had a small sale on them over at Brownells. They're awesome. Uh, and I actually have some, and I love them. Thank you to Cole for uh, hooking us up with that. But um, fix, it, fix It Sticks are pretty incredible, uh, and they, are, they go everywhere. A fantastic thing. And then I have just got the forward control design sling. So if you're interested, Brownells carries the forward control design sling. And if you buy anything of $150 or more, use that code BOP10. And also don't forget, head on over to Boring Rifles and use code STS10 to save yourself 10% over there. And then 
go hit up Cole and bug him and bug him on and make fun of him in the EOTech videos because you know he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> no, I don't. Did I tell you what I got when I got home from Brownells? I got I got home and there was this giant freaking box from Brownells sitting on my porch. I'm like, what the hell is this? And uh, it was, I shit you not, there was probably, I don't know, 80 PMAGs in it and like maybe like 10 freaking Magpul slings. I'm like, dude, what the hell is this? And I messaged everybody at Brownells that I know. Nobody's like, everybody's like, I don't know what it is. I have no idea. So I got this giant ass box of freaking PMAGs and no one knows where it came from, but it came from Brownells. Hey man, you know, there's this address in Texas that is mine. You can send some of those PMAGs to <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny i just ordered i just ordered five p mags too <laughs> this, this explains the inventory issues we're seeing <laughs> well thank you thank you cole so much for coming on i know you got to get going i got to get going to eat dinner millar you got to get down to your boy and do all that fun stuff so thank you guys so much for an epic podcast. And Adam had to leave our resident firefighter, had to go save some hot chicks from a burning building. So I, um, I slid in as like the stunt double there at the end, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Relieve him of duty. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on Cole. And I'll make sure to add all that stuff in the show notes down below for you guys. So, uh, Millar, do you want to leave us out? All right. Run suppressed. Stay blessed. Do you have any fun thing you say at the end of your podcast, Cole? No. No, no. All right. Well, be a hoodlum. That's all I say. That's all I say. There you go.